Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Everton FC correspondent for the Liverpool Echo, Joe Thomas, and I'm here with the incredibly knowledgeable on all things Everton, Gav Buckland. <laughs> we are here for the first podcast after the closure of the transfer window. That transfer window slammed shut, apparently, as everyone likes to say, at 11 o'clock last night. Obviously, there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of work that went on after that at some clubs with the deal sheets, but... Not for Everton, they kind of wrapped up business. With the exception of the loan for Lewis Warrington, actually, which was confirmed quite late on in the day, just before the 11 o'clock deadline. So anyway, here we are. Gav, we'll start with the transfer window. It's the only place to start. It feels like a long, long time ago now, but it was, and I think this was the second, the second of two open letters from majority shareholder Farhad Mashiri over a month ago now where he said, Judge me, judge Everton at the end of the transfer window. That transfer window is now over. How do you judge him? Uh, well, I, I judge I judge the window positively, Joe, um, for a number of reasons. Um, I think the 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 players we brought in, who we brought in, and the the positions on the pitch. Um, that's the you know in terms of a practical sense, that's the first thing. The second thing is there's obviously a Shall we just have to be diplomatic here about Farhad? The, the pace, <laughs> let's cut to the chase. Football people within the club making the decisions and, mm-hmm. and you know, organising the recruitments. And the third is, is, is like, there does appear to be a strategy involved and we've not been gung-ho. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 did, I got my abacus out before we came on air and... I, I look back to January. I don't like looking at individual transfer windows. You've got to always look at a couple, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And if you go back to January, if you look at all the players who moved in and out of the club since January, of the players who moved out, I estimated that probably cost us about they cost us about sixty million pound a year in terms of their wages and mm-hmm. their, their you know their amortised transfer fees. Of a favourite phrase, the players that we brought in since January, starting off with Michalenko and Patterson. And the players that we, we we got in the summer, uh, transfer winter, they cost about sixty million pound a year. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's an obviously a a rationale there, isn't it? Going on is mm-hmm. that whoever we go out, whoever we send out and get rid of, we're only going to bring players in who are costing us the same, which is which is good. The only downside to that is for us to live within football. Fair play, whatever it's called is these days, and they're changing it again, aren't they? Um, you know, but I would imagine that would mean we would probably have a Charleston type sale before the, uh, you know, at some point before the end of next year. But we can wait till then. That worry, worry about that at that point. But uh, yeah, so very positive. I, I get people's concerns about the cycle, but for me, that the the priority was a ensuring we didn't 
you know, we didn't overheat like we've I've done in previous years. And B, we conceded sixty-six goals last season. We conceded mm. sixty-six goals again this season. We'll, we'll be in and around the relegation. Um, I think most most supporters, and I think probably most of those who who watch Everton week in week out, would probably have liked to have seen another forward player if the right player could have been brought in just to complement what we've got already. Obviously, it looks like Lampard doesn't trust Salomon Rondon to play a significant role on a match day. It may be that he he can bring him on for the last 20 minutes here and there to cause a little bit of mischief. But beyond that, I think we'll have seen Rondon play a much bigger part in the last four games with Calvert-Lewin having been out, um, had Lampard really seen him as a as a, as a as a proper genuine a genuine option. Now, there's Neil Mope there and there's Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin, we know, is a, is a player who is worthy of a place in the England squad when he can be fit and firing. The question is, after a difficult 12 months of injuries with him, he's had three issues now, uh, you know, obviously it's whether or not he can actually come in and do that job for Everton. If he was to be injured again, then you're looking at Neil Mope. I think the last three seasons he scored, you know, scored goals in the Premier League. Um, you know, and, he's, and he's quite creative as well, but eight, eight and ten, I think, across the last three. So he's not as prolific as someone like Adamic Calvert-Lewin. Now, I can understand why Frank Lampard maybe didn't go and get another another forward. Do you do you take any kind of any crumb of comfort in the fact that, and I think you alluded to it earlier that. Whilst it might have been tempting to go and buy another striker because of the situation, the uncertainty, that actually what Everton didn't do is perhaps what they have done in not the last two transfer windows, but for several years of transfer windows before that, and just just gone and got anybody that just might fit the bill, whatever it costs, bring them in, have no thoughts of the longer term impact of their yeah. presence in the club, and 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 then obviously ended up. If you look at the likes of players like like Tosin. You know, have been brought in without any real kind of due diligence for expensive sums on expensive wages. Obviously, what might have been tempting in the last 12 hours of the transfer window yesterday for, for Everton might have been to have gone down that route. They didn't. OK, that does leave them potentially a little bit short if they fall unlucky with injuries again to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But at least it shows perhaps a bit of maturity, do you think? Yeah, maturity, that word strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh Joe, it, it, it will be, I, I think, a short-term solution to a longer-term problem. I'd rather have a long-term solution to a short-term mm. problem, to be honest with you. And I think you may see some movements in January. Isn't it a bit weird because of the World Cup? Is, is there fewer games than the January transfer window? Well, because been, the, because this transfer window has extended five games into this season, Yeah, and then because we break up uh, in the middle of November, I think it might only be... And, you know, I've been at Finch Farm for the press conference today, pre the pre Derby press yeah. conference, and, and Lampard alluded to this as well. You know, it's very much the case that it's actually quite a short segment of a season before the transfer window starts again. So yeah. I think it might only be another thirteen games. Now, obviously, thirteen games takes you to eighteen for the season, so you're you know you're you're almost halfway through, but. What it does do is it does provide an effort and have got themselves in a position where they're competitive for the first few months of the campaign. Obviously, it does provide another opportunity to go into the window just to strengthen if they have fallen a little bit short. Yeah, and I think it's just that's just sensible thinking. Is I get what fans were saying, and that 
you know, I, th- I thought we've had a good transfer window, very good transfer window. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get what fans say about the, you know, to finish it off with nice to get a, you know, attack it in. But you can't, you can't, you can't solve all your mm. ills, can you, in, in the space of 30 days or whatever it is, 45 days, whatever it is. And and so I get what fans say saying that, but at the same time, if we'd have gone out and bought our third, fourth, fifth choice striker, overpaid for them, put them on a long contract, and in a year's time, you know, we sent them out on loan. <laughs> People that moan about that strategy as well. So you can't you can't you can't have it. The club can't it can't win sometimes. No, I think I think you're right in the sense that obviously. We all know from having watched Everton last season and and from before then as well that Everton are clearly is it's clearly a squad that needs a hell of a lot of work done to it, and you can only do so much in in one transfer window. I think that I think it's fair of people to question perhaps why another striking option wasn't brought in sooner in the in in, in the transfer window. But what I do think is there is an element of perhaps. Everton couldn't do everything for whatever reason, whether it be finances, whether it be players, uh, clubs sitting on players to later on in the window, uh, whether it be waiting to see how the Anthony Gordon situation was resolved. You know, I'm not entirely sure, but obviously, Everton do have an issue up top, or did have an issue up top going into this summer. They also had big issues at centre back, and you can understand why Lampard and Lampard has said this. He he wanted to build from the back. He wanted to build his spine from the back this summer. And when you look at that now, you, you think, well, you know, there's so many centre backs there and that uh, there's so many options there that, that why was that a priority? Well, you look at the back end of last season, the relegation battle was one of the themes was centre backs constantly getting injured and, you know, really hitting Everton's you know, solidity at, at the back because you couldn't get a run of fixtures from the likes of Yerimina, Ben Godfrey. So Seamus Coleman was playing through injury as well. Now, in some respects, obviously Lampard was you know, proved right by going out and addressing that as a priority in the transfer window because in the very first game of the transfer window, Ben Godfrey and Yerimina get injured for quite a significant period of time. But it's not a calamity. It's not a crisis for Everton because he's already got James Tarkovsky there he's already got Connor Cody on his way at the time. So, you know, you, you can kind of say, well, perhaps Everton were left short a little bit up front. But the reality is they were probably going to get left short in at least one area over the course of this summer. And you can understand why with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, with the goal-scoring record that he does have, and with him having come back from, you know, his pre-season, from his end-of-season break, looking as fit as impressive as he did, I think you can perhaps understand why Lampard perhaps chose for well, you know what Dominic Calvert-Lewin can tie me over for the first you know for the first few games of the season and then I'll look for the striker. I'm going to sort out everybody else first. Obviously, you know there might be a degree of complacency because Calvert-Lewin then got injured after being without a, a trusted striker for the first five games of the season. But again, you use that word that you said strategy. You can at least see a thought process that kind of makes sense there, can't you? Well, it's a classic thought process, isn't it? You know, teams are built from the back, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And winding the clock back, not just to the summer, to the to the um, start of twenty twenty, whatever we are now, twenty twenty two. We've got a completely different defence now. But we had to mm-hmm. start of January, haven't we? Absolutely. And 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 you know that that's the starting point. We're probably going to have a completely different midfield. Yep. What we had at the start of January, if you think of maybe, 
depends where the Wolby plays. We're going to have Anand and Garner Gay and maybe Garner and other people whose names I'm a <laughs> farmer or whatever, you know. Um, it's just so you can see what we're trying to do. And you, see, you can you can mix and match a little bit up front, I think, sometimes. Because mm-hmm. you've always got like attacking midfielders, you can sort of like we've tried to do there. The one place you can't mix and match with, and you'll get found out all time and time again, is mix and match with the defence. Yep. Where I've seen maybe, where, not necessarily haven't, where clubs have played like midfielders at centre-half and stuff like this. And, you know, we, but we've ended up playing Holgate in, in midfield, haven't we, and stuff. Yep. That's, where you, that's where you get found out. Up front, as long as you've got a solid base to work with, and this that's what we're trying to do at the moment, is you can mix and match in the short term. And I think that's what we've tried to do over this five games. And, and we've got Mopay in. I mean, I think there's a... I don't want to sound critical, but, but it does... There's a little bit of those tinted spectacles going on about the Charleston at the moment. Um, get a replacement for the Charleston. Yeah, he finished last season great, but for a long period of last season, and for it, it wasn't that great. I mean, it, it's not as if we're trying to replace Lukaku's goals here, is it? Mm. A 25 mm. goal a season striker. The Charleston is, well, just a couple more more than Mope yeah. this season, if that, over the last three years. And it's, but. But what I think Richarlison going, what we would lose, we felt was that that sort of combativeness, you know, that being a leader, a show statement. But we've brought players in who can replace that, haven't we? We brought Cody yes. in, who's a big character. I think Anama looks like a big character, doesn't he? <laughs> That's um, it. Well, you look at that, obviously Tarkovsky and Cody are both leaders at the back. We yeah, know yeah. What so, Garner Gay can do. Yeah, I Garner mean, Gay, yeah, Garner Gay. So, so we've replaced that Richarlison sort of, Crowd favourites, crowd favourite leader on the pitch, talisman, with people who can do exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, also, they're missing is the goals. Well, yeah. Mopace also replaces a lot of that goals, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. So, if you look at those two factors, then we sort of have replaced um, Richarlison. Um, it, it, I know that sounds easy on paper and stuff, and I, I get, I get, you know, uh, I get it's attractiveness, but. In goal terms, we're not replacing Lukaku, are we? Which no. was effectively what done for Cumin, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I see what people are saying about Richarlison, but there's a bit of you know rose tinted spectacles a little bit. Yeah, I think... the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's it. I, I think at the back end of last season, Richardson was responsible for so many kind of positive moments amidst the gloom. It felt like most of what went well went through or around him last season. And perhaps that's where Everton fans may have some justification in their worry, the sense that Richardson was somebody who could create something out of nothing. It's it just, you know, some of so many of his goals at the back, you know, I'm thinking of, Leicester, Leicester at home, and 
and a couple, and I think in a Crystal Palace on the last day of the season. I mean, they were scrappy old affairs, but something just he just seemed to make something happen, didn't he? So I think there's probably a degree of, of nerves that Everton don't perhaps have that. But then again, you, know, you look at what we've seen from the beginning of this season. Anthony Gordon clearly has a bit of magic in his boots if he's used in in you know in in the right way. You know, Damari Gray has has, has you know, scored that big goal against Nottingham Forest and has, has looked quite sharp. Obviously, Neil Mope is is no slouch, and I think he could quite quickly become a, a fan's favourite. But you know, there's quality elsewhere as well, and Amadou Anana certainly seems to be one of those players who you know we use the phrase on here a couple of times where he's he's box box to box and box office. I, yeah. I think so. So that's it. So I mean, once we get his match fitness, which can't be far away now, then then you think that. It, it will still take time and patience for him to grow into the season, to grow into the Premier League. But, you know, you look at that and you think that Everton have, you know, they, they've clearly got a player there. And, and what Everton have this season as well, or what they have now that they perhaps didn't have five games ago was, and this will be even more prevalent when, you know, Calvert-Lewin comes back, when Holgate comes back, when Mina comes back, when Decorey comes back, when Godfrey comes back, is, you know, they will have probably sometime around the middle of September they will have a genuine squad. So when it gets to the hour mark, you know, we I was at Leeds on Tuesday night. It felt quite poignant that Frank Lampard didn't make a single substitution when clearly, you know, had he had somebody he felt he could trust on, on the bench, he probably would have done, well, he probably needed to do so after after the Leeds equaliser. You know, he didn't, you know, Jesse Marsh made four substitutes and instead, you know, you only have to go back to yeah. you know, the Forest game where it just... Yeah, Everton looked relatively comfortable in that game until it got to the hour mark and Steve Cooper started to make substitutions. He thought, oh, well, here comes Morgan Gibbs-White, here comes a couple of others. And, you know, when, when Nottingham Forest had a lead, that goal, that goal was coming. Well, you know, with five substitutes being available for, for, for each game in the Premier League this season, having a, if not 16 players that Lampard can trust, you're having certainly 14, or, you know, certainly 14, you know, starting 11 and three good substitutes is absolutely crucial. And I think, you know, he's padded out the squad a little bit in, in, in a relatively cheap way as well. You look at Ruben Vinagra, you know, is an option. Obviously, he's there on, on a loan. Obviously, Connor Cody's a starting player. He's there on, on a loan. You look at James Garner and Idrissa Gay. Well, Idrissa Gay's cost £2 million and James Garner £9 million. Now, yeah. they might both be opposite ends of the spectrum. Garner Gay may not be, you know, quite as as, as robust and as um, and, and as fit as he is, and as durable as he perhaps was when he left for PSG. But you know, he's obviously still going to be a, a good player, and James Garner is obviously going to have a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of growing up to do, mature and experience the game. But again, you know, he's, he's somebody that can come in, and you think he can have, perhaps grow with. With that squad, who's your favourite signing, Gav? Out of all those, we've got eight, eight new arrivals. Eight, eight new ones. Uh, uh, which, which I, one I like. Uh, I like Anani. You know, yeah. I think he's. I, I think he, he can. Uh, I mean, he, for a start, he speaks better English than what I do. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> did you see his post-match interview on there? Was it Tuesday? Was it Tuesday night? It was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's clearly he's clearly a very clever lad, isn't he? I mean, yeah, the, the oh, wow. yeah. language is and it's just exceptional. Yeah, and um, and I think clever people learn quickly, and that will help him adapt to English football. And he's obviously got the you know he's got the physical attributes, obviously, and mm-hmm. if he use that intelligence, he's got off the pitch, on the pitch. Um, 
then I think we've got to play there. And I think I think the other thing I'd say is, uh, Joe, is though we brought quite quite a few players in, they're all low risk, aren't they? Yes. I would say. say yes. A few loans. Onana is going to, it's probably worth more than 31 million quid. Than what, now, to be honest with you, I think Garner is one, nine million up front. Um, you know, McNeil, okay, he's 15, whatever it is. So th- a lot of them are low risk, guys, yeah. a couple of million. Low risk, isn't it? Where even if we sold them, we're not going to sell them at a loss, no. uh, which has been our problem. So I, I that, that's the other, the other factor I like uh, mm-hmm. about, the, about the transfer window. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, oh, no, no, I'm really looking forward to watching them yeah. develop as an Everton player. How nervous are you then as we start to kind of apply the new squad that we've got going into the next few games? Now, I feel personally that there's this clear progress on, on last season. I think that Everton are, are stronger and they're playing better football. You can at least, there's an identity there that you can see Frank Lampard trying to trying to produce. I think when we look at the Brentford and the Leeds games, the last two, two difficult away fixtures, Evan took the lead in both, and obviously it's a shame that they couldn't hold on. But once they conceded the equaliser, and admittedly Leeds and Brentford did both have chances, they very much felt like games that Everton would have lost last season. So, yeah, that again feels like a psychological resilience is there as well as a physical resilience. But still only three points on the board, it's still five games without a win. It is. The Merseyside derby tomorrow and this Liverpool side perhaps look more vulnerable than that's, you know, that side has done for a couple of years since they had all those centre-back injuries uh, during during the pandemic. Uh, and then it's Arsenal, but obviously they're still a, you know an, an incredible side and it's Arsenal after that. I mean, how worried are you? Uh, what feels like a relatively realistic prospect of Everton getting to seven games into the season without having yeah. a win. Do you think, well, you know what, it might be slow progress, but it'll eventually come good? Or would you be a little bit nervous if Everton didn't pick up a win against one of those two sides, which they're clearly... I, under- I wouldn't be nervous. I might get... And I don't want to tempt fate by saying, you know, we'll get defeated heavily in both games. I'd be nervous if we, you know, got absolutely trounced. Hmm. Um, perhaps, but in some ways, in some ways, the free hits aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I've said that. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure about the Arsenal. Arsenal, cause they play. They play. Man, is it Man United? They play on Sunday. It is. Yes. And it, Man United. Man United beat them. You might get a little bit of a, a you know, t- take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. They're still very unproven, aren't they? Arsenal, the top of the league, but you know, I think you know the. They've been shown that in the past, and as soon as he be, uh, got beaten by a, a good team, he then started to deteriorate. Um, Liverpool, yeah, not as strong as previous years, but still very strong. We're, we're talking about a team that you know saw win nine 0 when I was on holiday last week. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's clearly yeah, so, going to be a challenge, isn't it? But there, but there are there does appear to be a bit more fragility to them at, at this stage, anyway. I mean, whether Everton can expose that's going to yeah, wait to be seen. Well, I think I think you'd be looking for our midfield tomorrow to to at least um, can, well, but we'll compete and all that. So it'd be interesting to see what our midfield uh, will do. I, I'm just thinking, going. It, it's funny, isn't it? No, so, as Daft has said, I'd like three points whatever we got from five games. But the atmosphere going into this derby is completely different to the Goodson derby last year. Yes, which was the sort of the real Nadir, wasn't it of of last season probably. Yeah. 
um, both on and off the pitch. Uh, I think the fact that we're going into the tomorrow's derby where there's a lot more of a settled fan base and a little lot more stability, I think, around the football side and coordination and strategy and all them words off the pitch, I think, shows shows development, which has not necessarily been seen on the pitch in terms of results this season, but hopefully will will stand us in good stead for the more easier games that are, are to come. But we've still got a lot of hard work to do, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think my only, my only concern isn't that Everton aren't making progress. It's the, the, the worry may be that Everton's rate of progress isn't as great as some of the other clubs around them from last season. And those clubs that are having difficult seasons or look like they're going to have difficult seasons to start from a higher foundation than, than Everton. So they got more room for manoeuvre. You look at Southampton and they've picked up a couple of unexpected wins. You know, I thought Southampton, they, I mean, Southampton may well still be in a relegation fight this season, but they've certainly shown more resilience than I thought they had already. You know, Leeds have, have started reasonably well. I thought Everton played well against them the other day. Um, Nottingham Forest, uh, I think 21 signings now. I mean, they they still got trounced by by Man City, and they still got a lot of players that you know a lot of bedding in to do. And you know, a fair few of those, you know, a lot of those signings weren't signings that you looked at and you thought, oh, I'd, I'd be welcoming them in, that, in through the doors at Finch Farm. But some of them obviously were. So I mean, they'll be an interesting one. I think Bournemouth obviously have struggled already, but Fulham have got Mitrovic's goals as well, haven't they? So. Yeah. That's that's perhaps the danger that you look at some of the other teams that you thought might struggle and they, you know, they've had some good starts and it'll be interesting to see what happens when they start to face a little bit of adversity. It may well be that it comes down to the strikers a bit, like it it did. Well, it didn't come down to strikers in the end last season, but you always felt it would. It'd be you know, a, a Patrick Bamford versus Dominic Calvert Lewin versus Che Adams versus Alexander Mitrovic yeah. versus. Um, you know, any one of the several forwards that Forrest have brought in and, you know, whoever can get 15 out of them, their side may be safe. But but I think there's there's, there's definite progress from what you can see on the pitch and, and got faith that the, the, the manner in which this transfer window has, has materialised and in how it's been shown on the pitch feels like Everton are moving forward and it feels like they'll carry on moving forward. And as the next few months go on, as players gel with each other and return from injury and more confidence comes in through them as they start playing together a little bit more, it feels like Everton are on a forward trajectory that might be quite difficult to stop, even if initially it starts to be you know, slow moving. So, so hopefully, hopefully there'll be a competitive cycle. Hopefully they'll get some big points on the board next week. Who's to say they're not going to get six points from Liverpool and Arsenal, eh, Gav? I'll take that, Joe. Okay, would you, what would you take them to take six points off Liverpool and Arsenal? Hopefully, hopefully, I'll play it back to you and say, <laughs> you know, how wrong you were, you know. So you, you just don't know, do you? You no. don't know. I, 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 I'm just happy with what's happening off the pitch yes. at the moment, like as reflected in, you know, we, we spoke about people have said, haven't they, again, about, oh, we've not heard anything about, you know, the, 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 the mythical strategic review and, you know, not, not that what they told us. Hmm. Anything, but, but there have been things said. Yeah, I mean, it's brought uh, me a degree of stuff, and I've written about it. So the yeah. people who are saying it haven't, haven't read. They haven't read the echo, so they're not. Yeah, yeah exactly. This look, this quote is. They said, "This is what we're going to do," and 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 that's easier said than done, isn't it? But what 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 has been shown in this transfer window is 
there has been a season review and mm-hmm. the proof is in the pudding in, yeah. a, in a well-coordinated next transfer window that has not caused us additional financial risk than what we we need. Mm-hmm. Okay, we haven't got an extra striker in, but you know, you don't solve everything in transfer windows, and that's a risk we're prepared to carry for for the next thirteen games. Yeah, it was definitely. And, and so that, that's that's what that's what I'm happy about at the moment. If you get that thing, it's a bit like the Brighton thing, isn't it? Brighton are a really good team on the pitch because they're superbly, superbly well organised off the pitch. Yeah, and um, hopefully you'll see it Evan, over the next three to four months. By the time you have the break for the World Cup, you'll see some of that feeding onto the pitch in terms of our results. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's a relatively relaxed, um, you know, Christmas World Cup break, and it's a January transfer window where we're looking back on the first four months of the season, thinking, you know, what we just, you know, it's the cherry on top of the cake that we're looking for now. Not another, you know, not another tranche of signings to for the next stage of the rebuild. Hopefully. You know, several of those players have come in and firing and the players around them have improving as a result. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe if we just had another striker or we just had a, you know, a, another creative midfielder or something like that, and Everton can go be go and be a little bit more targeted, then that might be then that that might be useful, I think. So so it's gonna it's I mean it's definitely gonna be an interesting one. And they kept us busy all the way to the very end of the transfer window. There was never there was never a point where I was worried that Idris Aganagay or James Garner wouldn't get through. But I must admit, as it was heading towards the latter stages of last night, I was starting to think, how long are you going to keep me waking up here? I was, I was, starting, I was starting to worry that they were going to be so late that they'd somehow miss another registration de- deadline, somehow mythically end up not being able to play in the Merseyside derby, just like Neil Mopé couldn't play against Leeds or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Can't, <laughs> I can't envision there being any problems on there. Yeah, no, no one are look. There'll be a couple of players that can't play after Easter because it's been an Easter Monday, you know. That's no it. That's <laughs> it. So I mean, obviously, we we focused a lot there on the on on the incomings. There have been a couple of outgoings, you know, in the past week or so. Niels and Kunku's gone to he's gone to Cardiff on loan. Deli Ali went to Besiktas. Obviously, I think we spoke about that before. Jean Philip uh, Gabamin's gone to Trabzonspor, and then right at the very end of the transfer window yesterday. You know, Andre Gomez went out on loan to to Lille. I mean, what what do you think about those, Gav? I mean, there's a couple of players who I think that, I mean, Nkunku is is very much a development loan. I think that's probably a way to view that one. But in terms of, you know, Deli Ali, Deli Ali we've spoken about. So Jean-Philippe Gabamin and and Andre Gomez, it certainly seemed that they were surplus to requirements. I don't think... uh, I'm not sure that Lampard was trying to hide it, but if he if he was trying to hide it, he wasn't doing a very good job of it, was he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think collectively, of them, all those players played their final game for Everton, maybe. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, perhaps at least it's another... It's another piece of evidence that suggests that there's been some degree of strategy 
I think, isn't there? So, yeah, yeah, um, so I think, I think so. And I think, um, obviously, I think there's a couple of players. Maybe, I think Gomez has got two years left, hasn't he? I think so. It's not yeah, Gomez has got a little bit longer to yeah. go. So, and I think that you, I mean, I, I'm interrupting you, so you may well have just been about to jump into this point. So, yeah. I'm, apologies if you do, but I think one of the other things that's probably useful to think about is when we go into next summer. And obviously, we hope that Everton have had a successful season in the Premier League this year and they're looking to build again. Well, that, it's very easy to see how if Everton can consolidate now under Lampard and, and, and Kevin Fowell, the director of football, they may well be able to quite comfortably take it to the next level next summer. Because what you have next summer is a, a significant number of, of players who yeah. you know may not be at the front of Frank Lampard's minds that he hasn't been able to get rid of this season, who their contracts will expire and you know, there'll, there'll be another opportunity that will free up more money and more space within squads just to you know, stamp Lampard and Falwell. If they're still there, hopefully they are because it'll be a positive sign. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their imprint on the squad even further and you know, the, the more transfer windows that these that this pair go on together, then obviously it'll be a sign of success if they've stayed in the first place. So hopefully, yeah. that's, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully they'll think, carry on taking the club forward. I think it's Alan, Decore, Mina are all up next year, aren't they? Were all yeah, Mina and Decore definitely is, and I think Alan is as well, and I think a couple of I think a couple of others maybe. So yeah, I haven't got my yeah, list. So. I haven't got yeah, my spreadsheet in front of me. Yeah, I do think though there'll be there'll be a big sale before June. The end of June. So just, do just, you think I, so? Do you like I, it? It's. I just had this. In, I've just got this in, in back of mind. The, the only thing I can think of is is no, because they're talking about. I don't want to get really bored. Let's talk finances. It you know <laughs> Friday night. You know is no because they're, they're now going to change UA for a change in the rules mm. on FFP and about where it's got to be a percentage of whatever it is the turnover, and and the Premier League has said they're going to do the same. I'm just wondering then, that means over, what is the point of, how, how can you penalise anybody hmm. for profits and sustainability in the Premier League when you know you're going to be changing the rules? You know what I mean? It doesn't doesn't make any sense, does it? There has to be some sort of transitional period. And and I think um, we'll have that maybe that in the back of our minds because no, obviously it's well-known fact we to the Premier League about all of this. And yeah. so it may maybe in that scenario that I've I've maybe painted the worst case there that say we need to get rid of somebody, but I wouldn't rule it out. But the one thing's for certain, what the people we got rid of and the people we brought in about the same cost of the yeah. club on it, which is good. I think it's very much a case of wait and see on on whether yeah. they need to sell anybody. Obviously, the the finances are such a big grey area, you know, especially because obviously we've we've come to just the end of a another financial year and we're now in so there's this is one there's one club financial year that we know nothing about and we're already into the one after that so um yeah and, and yeah there are obviously there are things like a lot of the revenues the the, yeah, the covid impact that we've been seeing in the last sets of accounts that have been that have been released on things like match day attendances and revenues in the transfer market obviously all those things have gone and obviously you know, everton commercially have been been very busy as well recently and yeah, there's mm. there's some big wages that have disappeared from the, you know, from 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 the from the wage fees um, over the course of the past eighteen months. Because if you if you go back to to things like obviously you know James Rodriguez and and, and the likes of that before you even get to this summer. So 
be interesting. Obviously, one thing they didn't need to do was they didn't need the money so badly that they had to bite Chelsea's hands off for um, no. Anthony Gordon. So whether that was a strategic approach in the sense that, well, we don't think we can afford to lose him at this stage, but maybe we might have to at the, at the end of the window. I don't know. But one thing I think you can take some confidence from is the fact that shows that Evan aren't, aren't desperate. The, 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 the financial situation can't be that dire because they've just turned down the best part of £50 million for a, for a homegrown player. So. Absolutely. And they just spent £30 million on a 21-year-old midfielder. So, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just got that in the back of my head. That yeah, I think so. And it, and it will be interesting because, obviously, a couple of the saleable assets that you would perhaps have... A couple of players you may have put in the bracket saleable assets this summer. Um, you know, Yerry Mina... Obviously, it's unlikely Everton will get a fee for him now because he run, his contract runs out at the end of next year and well, at the end of sorry this this season. And he's probably not going to play again before the you know I think it's October, middle of October at the best. So you, you struggle to see how anyone's going to pay for him in January, um, given his injury record over the past few years. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin is another significant asset Everton have, but. I think he probably needs to get a run of games now, a run of games and performances to start rebuilding his value rather than him automatically being a, you know, a, a multi, multi, multi-million pound striker. Mm. Should anybody come in for him, bearing in mind how difficult he has, how difficult the past year has been with injuries for him. So hopefully what will happen is you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin will come back in the next few games. He'll be fit, he'll be firing and, you know, fingers crossed we'll be watching a World Cup and hoping that the hoping for the best for him because he's been so successful for Everton over the next you know, dozen or so games that Gareth Southgate hasn't been able to turn him down because he's been banging him in for us. I was going to say, he's got, he's got previous for scoring World Cup finals, hasn't he, Carvert-Lewin, I think. Sorry, so, yeah. so, that, so that's it. So, yeah, so, okay. yeah, well, obviously there's only two of us here today, so we're going to be a little bit shorter and I think... Yeah, I'm not sure about you, Gav. I'm not sure if you were burning the midnight oil last night and waiting up till two o'clock in the morning to see what new Sky Sports uh, <laughs> news uh, alerts were going to come out. But it was certainly a late night for me last yeah, night. So what we're going to do is we'll, we'll end it here, but we won't end it just there because we have score predictions today first. In, in the spirit of this, has been a positive podcast. I'm not going to say we're going to get beat, so it's like... Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to go for two things, actually, because we're finished pressing, given that the transfer window closed yesterday. So I'm going to ask for two things from you, Gav, okay? One is your score prediction for the derby tomorrow. And then the second one is where you think Everton will finish this season. This season? Uh, I'll, 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 skip, I'll say 14th. Yeah. And... Um, on that basis, I think we'll get a point tomorrow. Yeah, um, and um, I think we've we have had, we have had four one-all draws on the bounce in the past. I think it was nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to go with that with that stat. Hmm. I'm going to end up by saying we'll draw draw one-all because I think we'll hopefully see a different game, different uh, in different atmosphere to mm-hmm. everything that we saw last last time we played Liverpool at Goodison. So one off from me, and I'd be yeah. putting my land. I'm going. I'm going to stick with the with the positive vibes, and I'm going to go for two one to Everton. I'm going to go. What I'm going to go for is I'm going to go for James Tarkovsky and uh, Connor Cody with the ball at their feet, pinging it into the channels left, into the open gaps left behind the the 
the the forward-looking uh, Liverpool fullbacks and um, yeah. Nathan Patterson exposing that space and Everton making making the most of it. There is there is a degree of I appreciate that that might be a degree of wishful thinking. Obviously, we know that Liverpool are strong and they go into that game as favourites. But I do think that this Everton side of competitive with the Goodison crowd behind them, a bit of renewed moment, bit of bit of bit of atmosphere, a bit of positivity, despite obviously the fact they haven't won this season. Why not? Why why can't it be tomorrow? And I think for where they're going to finish the season, I think that 14th would be very respectable. Ideally, 14th feels like the highest you can go, or 14th feels like the lowest that you can go without really being worried about a relegation battle after Easter, doesn't it? I think mm. so. I think that would be a success for Everton. I think that'd be a, a lot of positivity if, if, if they could get to 14th. Um, you know, that would be an exceptional season, provide a platform for you know further improvements next year, uh, the season after. So, anyway, so that's it. We're gonna call it an end there. Thank you very much for listening to us. I'm sorry if we sounded incredibly tired. Uh, we, we, we both are. Uh, but hopefully the positive vibes are seeping through your, your your earbuds and the airwaves. And let's keep our fingers crossed that next time we're on here, one, that there's a few more of us, and two, that Everton have got that first win under their belts. Thank you very much. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Joe Thomas. That's Gav Buckland. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.